Hi guys, welcome back to the Earthy Delights podcast. Um, in the interest of transparency, transparency, I should say, this is actually a rerun because we feel like we could do this subject matter um, a bit more justice. So if you hear us referring to points um, made after the date of the recording, we're not future tellers, um, which is recording at that time. So yeah, we haven't predicted anything, uh, unfortunately, anyway. Um what we're going to try to do guys here is we're going to talk about the benefits of social media and negatives of social media, but try to think about it in more nuance. You've all heard, you know, Oh, it, it makes us insecure because we follow um, models and this, that, and the other. And, and, you know, those things, I think those points have been oversaturated and they've been exhausted. And so we're not going to talk about those points. I think, the three main points that we've seen in light of some recent events that have made us think about social media and how we use it are whether, you know, whether social media is a good platform, you know, obviously Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, all of them, are, are they good platforms for having meaningful conversations that can help change the world? Uh, so I know some people disagree with that statement and some people would agree. Um, why is everything so partisan at the moment on social media and, and what, and does any do any of these two points link in to the echo chamber that many of us live in when we go, scroll through our social media feeds? So they're kind of the three main topics that we're we're going to delve into um, and kind of explore a bit deeper. But before we go into any of that, as you know, we have to start with what's the crack. So Jim, what is the crack? The crack is very good, man. Uh, I woke up today with a text from my good friend Dermo asking me to go to the sea. Lovely Dermo. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. Me and Dermo embrace the sea like nothing else. Like me and Dermo said, there's knowledge in the sea. <laughs> you <laughs> know, you go in uh, it, yeah. Yeah, of course. Cool. Oh, the cold wall. I mean, you have cold showers, so I guess, to you it's nothing. Probably man, seemed warm. I tell you, like, there's this quote. I don't know if I've referenced it before, right? But it was someone talking about the sea or, like, natural water, right? Mm. And the person says, I didn't always like the person going into the sea. But I always like the person coming out. <laughs> fair play, fair play. And, and that, that's how I feel after coming out to say, like, me and Dermo were just new men coming out. Um, <clears throat> so that was great. And then I came home, quick call with my mate Jack, and I'm ready to interrogate uh, social media, even though it should be noted that my social media use is very, very limited. And uh, I acknowledge this, but I still think that I have something to give. No uh, worries. Don't um, worry, I, I make up for that, man. I work in the belly of the beast. For people yes, who don't know, I, I work in social media, I run social media campaigns. So unfortunately, I live with it day in, day out, even if I don't want to. So I, I get paid to do it. So um, I can make up for the the lack of expertise on your part. Don't worry. Appreciate that. What is the crack with you? Yeah, not too bad. I mean, nothing as refreshing as, as your morning was, but... Um, yesterday was a cheat day for me i've been going on a diet it's not really a diet so to speak in the sense that you know i'm not eating lettuce and cucumbers but um it's just wholesome food eating in a five-hour window and i do that and we have to basically have like two meals within a five-hour window and i kind of and then i go for a run every evening for two weeks and then at the end of the, that two weeks i get to treat myself and i normally go kind of too hard um go big or go home but sometimes i go go to a mansion it's that big um and so today i woke up for the first time in ages with digest with like digestion problems um and and yeah like acid reflux and stuff and oh it was just horrible so that man, reminded me to uh just reminded me why i'm doing this in the first place man can i ask you before yeah. you took this diet 
mm. and you had the, in, the indigestion issues, did you just think, oh, that's just me, I have bad luck, I have indigestion? I, no, I knew I knew what gives me indigestion. Everyone's different, right? So, for example, my dad, he gets indigestion from onions. So, if he eats anything that has, like, a lot of onions in it, he'll probably get it the, that night or the morning after. My mate, he gets it from, like, pastries. So, anything that's, like, pastry, he'll get it. And with me, unfortunately, it's carbs. Any, like, high carbs. Like, if I just have, like, one bowl of pasta, I'll be fine. But, like, if I go, if I go hard in the paint um then you can bet your bottom dollar that i'll be drinking gaviscon by the bottle um that evening so so i know what it i know what it is but i think it's an indictment of my diet and i think of many of because a lot of my friends suffer with it man obviously for different reasons like i just said different food groups but i think it is in an indictment of our like of our diets because i think if you eat I don't know anyone who has got in, who gets indigestion when they eat wholesome food. Like no one's told me, "Oh man, I get real bad indigestion when I eat broccoli." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, um, and I used to think it because obviously my dad had it. I used to think it was kind of like an old man's thing. I didn't realize that like younger people could get it. Um, so, um, yeah. So, I, but it's, it's been good because it reminds me why I'm trying to stay on the straight and narrow. I've lost five kg at, at the time of speaking, which I think. It's just, it's just under a stone to, for those of you who measure by stone instead of kg um i'm european now so i have to take the european med- measurements but yeah um so i've still got about 10 kg to lose which is about a stone and a half more to lose uh and then hopefully i should be roughly at my ideal weight for kind of like my body type so long way going but kind of like you were saying man like i it's a thing i you know at the end of the two weeks when i kind of get to that cheat day i feel like such a good like you were saying, how the the sea, you know, you go into it, one person, you come out a, diff- a different person, similar. Like when I go for my runs, the same thing. I hate going for the run every time I go. And then at the end of the run, I always feel good afterwards. So it's, that's that thing. So I'm, today's the first day of like kind of getting back on the horse. Um, and so looking forward to another two weeks of healthy eating. And then hopefully my next cheat day won't be as extreme and, and, as, ex- and as excessive. Hopefully. Mm. Hopefully I've learned my lessons. It's a yeah, learning curve. Just- it's like a there's a it's like a bittersweet thing about being more sensitive in terms of food and, and lifestyle in that it just means that you can no longer the longer you stay on like a quote unquote healthy diet or like these like strict uh wholesome foods the mm. the more your body will be like nah don't give me that something that has loads of sugar in it or don't yeah. give me that because yeah and so i don't know about you but like sometimes i'll I'll be like yeah i really want uh like i don't know a good bit of chocolate or i really want this and that and then when i do it my body's just like man you knew this wasn't gonna end well you know that i don't Mm. like this and now you're doing this to me yeah and i think as well everything in moderation and like when it comes and i'm just not good with moderation with anything doesn't matter it doesn't have to be food just with anything in my life i don't do moderation very well so when i go hard i go hard like i yesterday we got a car like we got an engine in i didn't get one i got three so you know these are the things i'm learning that maybe you know maybe i could have got away with one curry maybe but three curries you're pushing yet you're pushing it there so uh maybe two next time maybe two maybe even one who knows let's go crazy there are no (laughs) rules um but yeah no listen man let's get straight into this um yeah man you know i text you um asking if we could if we could redo this episode just because uh you know i've been seeing we're recording currently at the you know just after the george floyd um murder and the whole black life movement and the whole fallout from 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 this 
you know, that, that kind of period. And I've just been seeing a lot of, I think it's been the crystallization of things that I've been seeing beforehand, but now it's just really put that into sharp focus for me. And it was those three points that I mentioned at the very start. And, um, you know, one point that I've heard you say, and I've heard a lot of other people say, and it's not saying that one's right or wrong, but I, I do question the point is, um, the thought that social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be, isn't the place to hold meaningful conversation regarding whatever, you know, at the moment it's Black Lives Matter, but whether it's that, whether it's mm, sexism or, you know, Me Too thing or uh, homophobia or, or whatever the conversation may be, apparently a lot of people seem to believe um, that social media isn't the platform that we should be having these conversations on. Do you kind of what you want to explain on your point before I um, commence the bashing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's, I, I'm glad you brought it up because it's, there's, there's nuance there. Mm. My argument is not that I think social media is, is just a bad place for discussions and it, isn't, it, it won't help certain discussions around certain areas mm. i'm just saying that n- nothing in my opinion will be as effective as face-to-face communication but now in the life that we live now that face-to-face communication is kind of uh, encouraged to be avoided right now with the covid crisis and it, in in these times i definitely uh, soften my stance on it i still believe there is no true um way to better the face-to-face communication even zoom calls or skype calls aren't, aren't the same you know there might be a little bit of lag and i like looking at people's body movements and i think that tells a lot about how people are feeling and thinking about the time but i still know and you're going to give examples that social media interactions can lead to um positive changes um and this is this is the thing <laughs> i i'm glad you brought it up because while I am hesitant to say, uh, maybe I used to be quite hesitant. I now see, particularly in these times, the uh, potential benefits for this mm. communication. Mm, yeah, and I mean, you know, my, my the reason that I, I brought this point and I questioned the point and, I, you know, I asked you to kind of explain it more. I think some people definitely go along with what you've said, but some people maybe take a more kind of black and white approach to it. Um and so I wanted to kind of expand because what I've seen um, is this kind of notion that um, that people can't have meaningful conversations on, on, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, you know, your, your vice is, because it's not the place to, you know, to have discourse uh, and, and have lengthy conversations. And you know i question that because i go well look every single one of these platforms has a um has a dm option right every single one of them does so even though you know instagram for example you definitely wouldn't be putting anything on your feed that would be a big conversation but you could very easily send someone a direct message and i've had very meaningful conversations with friends um who have you know over whatsapp or whatever the case may be and obviously that's the thing with social media is it does give you that global platform. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll give the example um, so that maybe people can understand my point a bit better. Um, you know, with at the moment we're talking about black lives matter is very big on social media and there's a big movement, you know, big thing about white privilege. How can we use our white privilege to help? Um, and 
it seems to me that the biggest way to use your white privilege would be to engage in conversation with someone who is quote unquote racist or who has made racist remarks um, on you know on the social media and to engage in conversation with them, not because you're going to change their opinion, sorry, change their opinion or you know give them a moment of enlightenment where the sh- where the clouds open and the sun shines through and the angels are singing but to offer them a ch- an opportunity for change right and i think if enough of us do that to enough people maybe by the 10th 15th conversation maybe they will reflect um and that being said i've seen a lot of white people on my twitter feed um saying you know Uh, are so cleansing i've just blocked five people off my facebook five racist people off my facebook this that and the other and you know to me that strikes as very defeatist because what you're really saying is when you block someone what you're saying is they're a lost cause right you're saying there's no point in in, in investing any time in this person they're never going to change their views they're a lost cause now if we all do that on mass we're looking at thousands if not hundreds of thousands or even millions of people who we're just going to class and label as lost causes uh, and you know look there are sometimes definitely when when you should block someone especially you know in the black lives matter movement if you're black and you're getting vitriolic abuse of course block them but as a white person we're not getting that abuse because a white person can't be racist against another white person okay so i think it's up to us to have the patience and to have the understanding um to talk to these people and and you know i tried my best to practice what i preach it's not always easy but i saw this one guy on facebook making a few let's just say um they weren't hugely racist but they were definitely um misinformed let's put it that way and he'd made quite a few of the comments so i I wrote i reached out to him and i sent him a message just saying look man um i don't expect to change your opinion i don't expect to change your mind but i've seen you make some misinformed comments please could i just you know can we have a conversation about it and maybe you know let me explain why your points are misinformed we had a very long conversation you know to, over the course of two three days this guy's a complete random and don't know who he is don't know where he's from i just saw him on facebook anyway the conversation took two three days over you know facebook chat and i don't think i changed his mind but he did thank me for being the first person he said to ever have reached out to him in person uh, he said, I've been doing this for four years, which I was like, oh, Jesus. But hey, um, but I thought, look, that's a good foot, right? That's a good foot to get off in, in the start in the first place. Yeah, this is this is very important. Even recently, I have a, a friend who is quite conservative and he texted me and he asked me my opinion about certain things. And he tagged me after he said something like, I really appreciate the fact that this is the first time I, I didn't feel judged for having this opinion. You know, and there is this there is this room for us to approach this person. Like you say, like some people might be immediately triggered and say, no, no, no. But like you said, this guy has probably appreciated the fact that um, someone with an opposing view is willing to interact with him. Not in, hey, you dumb piece of shit. Why do you think this? Exactly. Or, hey, you're yeah. just wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so I just wanted to caveat as well. The point that you didn't highlight enough, I think, is that the direct message is very important because when it's just like a comment or you tag somebody on a post or something, then that that it's immediately, okay, it's a battle. It's literally a debate. There is no, um, oh, you were right there. I'm sorry about that. It's literally just, I'm just going to do anything I can to win because it's not about listening about people. It's about winning. 
Yeah, and, and the direct message. Mm. Sorry. Continue. No, no, no. Go on, go on, James. Go on. No, and and the direct message is an opportunity for this person to one really um, put put thought behind what they're saying because like you say and we're going to talk about a bit later about the echo chamber maybe they're around people that that aren't questioning these things that they're saying and maybe because they aren't being questioned they think hey i I can get this you know what's that thing like if you say something enough times it's going to become true well well people will think that if people keep on saying things and it's not getting bashed or criticized or critiqued then you think okay i can say this like this is okay yeah and i think that's the thing i think look if you're going to start commenting on, you know, comment on someone's comment or whatever it is, it's antagonistic from the officer. Okay. You're just starting off. You're, you're not looking for conversation, whether your point is right or wrong. That's not, I'm not bothered. You're not looking for conversation. You're looking for an argument. You're looking for debate. Okay. Uh, it's one upmanship. If you go into that conversation, by private message, by direct message, you are giving room for conversation and exchange of ideas. Okay. Mm. And that's the important thing there. And, and that's the thing is what I've seen, you know, especially with the black lives matter thing. And it's been bugging me a lot is, uh, this is, I know, like I say, the black lives, it doesn't have, just happen with the black lives matter. It's just that the black lives matter thing has really shined a light on it. And it's the crystallization of a culture that was pre-existent before this. But we have this peacock culture where, you know, I think a lot of people on mass now, uh, white people would understand our role to, and we have a role to play in this fight against racism. Okay. And that's a really positive thing. The negative of that is I have seen a lot of people, um, virtue signal i would i would describe it as virtue signaling you know that someone has made a tweet that is racist or whatever and they quote tweet them going oh racist prick something like that it's like what does that achieve you haven't changed anything all you've done is you've shown your followers that you're against racism well i think we should operate off the basis that everyone is against racism until they show themselves not to be kind of like an innocent still proven guilty you know um way of looking at things and and the thing you know the thing of oh i'm blocking someone again look I, let me make this really clear if you're getting vitriolic abuse about whatever it may be block that person you shouldn't have to deal with that and that's completely acceptable when i'm talking about the black lives matter example specifically as a white person you're not getting ra- racist abuse because they can't be racist to someone of your of your own color it's just impossible okay that's not how racism works so if you are a white person and you're blocking someone because they're racist all you have done is you have made your feed less racist you have not made the world less racist at all and normally the people who you've blocked they will see that as a moral victory because they go, ah, look at this person. He couldn't uh, or she couldn't engage with me and I've I've beaten them. They have no more good points. So the only thing they could do was block me. Ha ha ha. One nil to the racists, you know, and that we get into this game of like one, you know, one upmanship and and score pointing and it's like point scoring. And it's like, well, this is that's not how you have a conversation. And that's why I think a lot of people would say that social media is the wrong place to have these conversations. But it's all the way in which you use these platforms. Right. I think that's with yeah. everything. You know, nothing we've spoken about this before. Nothing is inherently bad. There is no, there is no such thing as a bad drug. How do you use that drug? That makes it bad. There is no such thing as a ba- bad anything. H two O water gives us life. It can also drown you. Okay, it's how you use it is what makes it. Will ultimately decides whether it's a good thing or a bad thing. And I've, I, you know, sorry, sorry, James, sorry, go on. Sorry, and also just to pick up on what you're saying there, the, the intention. So. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for instance, uh, me and Dermot were there this morning. He was talking about how, you know, in, in mindfulness and at the start of a lot of yoga sessions, mm. the yoga teacher will encourage you to, uh, to have an intention before the practice. And uh, Dermot was telling, him, telling me that it, it's really helping him <clears throat> help, like improve himself or develop himself throughout the week. And in, in the same sense, I think we need to try I mean, and I'm going to give a quick example yesterday of asking ourselves, what is our attention behind this, right? And yeah. the example is uh, I had this uh, economist just quickly, quickly detour. This, I followed this economist on Twitter and um, he put up this graph and was saying something like, wow, look how much GDP has decreased, right? Mm-hmm. And I was, I was felt a certain way where I, I had a strong urge, such a strong urge that I had typed it and was just about to press send. And I was just about to say, fuck GDP as a measure of a, an, an economic system. Like we, we can't be, in my opinion, we can't be judging an economic system based on gross domestic product. Like it's a, it's a false way. And I was just about to click fuck GDP. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, wait, what's my intention here? Am I learning anything by saying fuck GDP? I'll probably get a few people saying, hey, fuck you. Then I'll probably get a few people say, yeah, James, fuck yeah. GDP. And then I thought, yeah, yeah I don't need this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not, 100%, benefic- not beneficial 100%. for anyone. And, and that's the other thing, man, is the peacock culture because you know, you do that and you garner a few likes. Okay, brilliant. But that hasn't changed your life, hasn't changed the world. But this is the other thing, you know, if we're going to have a meaningful conversation, it doesn't have to be about racism. I'm just using that as an example because of the moment that we're in the period of time, but you know, whatever it may be, are we willing as people to do, to have these conversation in the shadows, to have them in private when no one's looking, when no one's watching, or are we own, you know, that's the thing when, when you, when you tweet, quote, tweet someone, or you comment going, shut up, you racist prick. Okay. Everyone can see that then. Right. So then everyone goes, oh my God, look at Emily. She's so like pro, you know, she's so anti-racist, blah, blah, blah. And it's great. Okay, cool. You get a few likes. Emily was just, I've invented that name. Don't go searching through my feed. There's no one that called Emily. He's done this, but you know, um, my point being, you know, I had the urge when I had this conversation after the three days and it was draining. Okay. But that is my responsibility to use my white privilege. That's how I see it anyway. And I almost, almost screenshotted the conversation and put it on my Twitter. And I was bluffing. Like I was like, kind of like, I was tricking myself into saying that the reason I'm doing this is to promote other people and encourage other people to do the same. That might be a superficial reason, but the real reason I was going to do it, if I'm honest, was so then I could get a couple hundred likes or whatever it may be. Right. (laughs) And it's like, see, so you can get caught in that trap yourself. And it's like, look, we're, we're only, if we're only doing this so that other people can see us doing it, if you're doing the good deed with bad intentions, that somewhat to me diminishes the good deed in the first place. And so that's why I think, look, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever your vice is, if it's used correctly, I think it can be used and we can really implement change. But I think we have to use it correctly and use it with the right intentions. Okay. Let's not, even if we're going to go on to direct message and then have these conversations, that's brilliant. But then don't tweet, don't like snap, you know, snap, um, screenshot it and then put it on your Facebook to try and show how virtuous you are. Just have the conversation and maybe tell your friends in passing that you've done that uh, to encourage them but you're doing that on a face-to-face way rather or you know in personal conversation um rather than rather than doing it through 
you know, trying to get likes. I think that's one really big important thing. And and just to swiftly kind of navigate our way into the into the next point is we spoke about how, you know, going on comments and like what 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 what's your intention there? You're commenting like calling someone racist or what or the racist person commenting on or maybe you've made a really valid point right and then someone racist has made a point going oh yeah well imperialism where we brought indians trains and you go okay cool what's what's the what what, why are we doing this i think a real big thing is point scoring everything in nowadays has become partisan right every is right or wrong there's no wiggle room in between and i think that started off political right it was left wing versus right wing and then it's become just everything it doesn't matter what it is you can't whether you're talking about food football girls fashion trainers whatever it is there's like a right opinion and a wrong opinion and if you take the wrong opinion it's like cancelled this that and the other and that's why i don't like the blocking thing as well kind of it all links into the same thing but it's like Look, you have to give people the opportunity for change. Lord knows I've made some comments that if I could take back, I would have done. And, I, you know, I've che- I've broadened my horizons. I've changed those opinions. I'm not the same person who made those statements however many years ago. Right. But if someone cancelled me when or, I was 15 months. or months or, or days, um, <laughs> okay. but, but, you know, if someone cancelled me when I was 15, then I'm not there's not really much room for improvement there, is there? And And I think we have to get away from this partisan way of thinking and allow room for nuance and allow room to, you know, again, I'm going to use the black lives matter thing because it really is such a great example because we can pull so many examples from it. There's a big thing at the moment where they're pulling down statues, right. Um, you know, of, of former slave masters and stuff, you know, around the world. And I think that's a really great thing. Okay. Um, and then, but then recently, they some uh, some people defamed the Churchill statue that's in London. Uh, you know, sprayed on uh, Winston Churchill was a racist or something like that, and he definitely made racist comments. Okay, this undeniable. That being said, he also fought against racism in in Hitler. You know, and and he arguably did more than any Briton has done. So, but it comes to a point where you where if you look on the Twitter, if you look on your social media. You're either a, a racist protester who is trying to defend hit, um, sorry, trying to defend Churchill doing Nazi salutes and so on, which is just so, uh, so messed up. It, you don't know where to begin with that. Or you're the complete opposite end, and you're like, no, Winston Churchill was the devil. Um, you know, that's it. He's racist. Let's cancel him. Let's rip down his statue. And it's like, well, let's be nuanced about this thing. He definitely said racist remarks, which were, which there's no excuse for. However, he did very good things in the fight against racism. So maybe he's a flawed man. Maybe we should look up to him as much as some people do. And maybe we should, when we're teaching, you know, Churchill in school and stuff and World War II history and World War I history, we should teach what he said as well as the favorable actions that he did. And look at him in his totality, not cherry pick certain things that can enhance your own argument, you know? Absolutely, absolutely, man. I agree. Um, it's it's also like not to plug our own podcast or other episodes of our own podcast, but I think it's also something like what John was talking about when we had that conversation, where it's important to do a thing, to do the thing, uh, and not for any other reason outside of doing the thing. So, like, if you're going to do some sort of kind act, 
it, the kind of act should be enough for you to enough just justification for you to do it rather than any sort of means to an end you know mm. yeah and uh, i i think that that might play a part in what you see what, what you're just talking about you know yeah the idea exactly. that there might be yeah yeah, it's just it's looking at things in the totality. Let's not, you know, in the conversation that I was having with the misinformed guy on Facebook, you know, what he would do and what I've seen a lot of people who are making racist points do is they would cherry pick something that definitely happened. And I guess in some way you could see it as a positive. Uh, so the perfect example would be I would argue against imperialism and then he would say, oh, but we bought trains to India. And then you would try to say, okay, yes, that is true. I'm not denying that that happened. I'm not denying that potentially that is a good thing. What I'm saying is if you look at the totality, if you look at what the whole history of our imperial rule in India, the fact that we gave them railways doesn't absolve us from any, from all the rest of the stuff that we did. But what a lot of people, and this isn't just racist people, this is a lot of us do this, right? I've been guilty of doing this, is we cherry pick one uh, one little fact and then we build a whole argument off that one thing and we ignore everything else so the winston churchill thing is another thing winston churchill was racist well he definitely said racist things 100 he definitely said racist things, and maybe he was racist but maybe in time he changed now we don't know this he's dead now i don't know but he definitely also fought against a racist regime so let's look at that then the people go, oh, well, Winston Churchill was a god. He, you know, he fought Hitler. You know, some people even said he killed Hitler. We didn't kill Hitler, but okay, whatever. Um, well, he's not a god because he said racist things. So let's not cherry pick things to make our, up our arguments. If we're going to make an argument, let's make them really informed. And that's one thing that the Black Lives uh, Matter movement has really, really um, instilled in me is that if I'm going to make an argument on anything, food, whatever the thing may be, I really need to ha have those points researched. And and not cherry pick stuff and, you know, go into the argument or I shouldn't say argument, go into the conversation with blinkers. And I've definitely been guilty of that. 100% I have been. And I see it more and more now that we, we, um, we have one or two points and we will go, we will die on that hill for those one or two points and we'll ignore all of the other points. And it's like, you're not going to achieve anything doing that, you know? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I, and I think that, that links onto something else, man, that I, obviously, I, like you said, you don't use social media that much. But one thing that I've been thinking a lot about and, and seeing it a lot is that the recycling of ideas that comes on, on social media, right? And this kind of links into the echo chamber. I think a lot of us, I, again, I'm going to put myself in this bracket. I don't want to speak for anyone else, but I have been guilty of this and I'm trying more and more so not to be guilty of this. A lot of us... Um, what we've what i've done is i've seen a tweet okay that has made a point and i haven't really investigated it anymore but that that point that i've seen i would agree with you know it's in it's in accordance with my beliefs my ideals and then i will regurgitate that information as if it were my own as if i had come across it myself and i'm not actually thinking about it any any more than i've just read the 140 characters and it's like yeah. i think we need to really start to adopt um autonomy of of thinking again 
and really you know if we're going to believe something if we're going to say something let's make sure we've done the necessary research behind that statement before we just retweet it before we start to say it in like your personal calls with your friends or whatever you know one a really good one was um the treasury uh put about a tweet something saying along the lines of like in 1880 in 1833 slavery was abolished and we paid off 20 million to the slave owners um for quote unquote loss of property which amounted to about 17 billion in today's money and was only you know a sum so large that was only paid off in 2015 now if you're anti-racist that is an, a very um uh uh, eye-catching point you know and it's like oh brilliant this is lovely it's got numbers in there it's got dates in there oh but when i say this in, a, in an argument against a racist i'm going to come across as really well read well i then did a bit more research on that point and there's a great um, article um in the guardian where it kind of dissected that tweet and it pointed out the inaccuracies and so whilst those things happened they didn't happen the way that that tweet would like you to believe it happened right and it's like that's the kind of research and the thinking that we need to have is that we shouldn't just accept ideas um you know because we've seen it on twitter and, and and someone with a tick and go oh yeah that has to be correct and then regurgitate it ourselves yeah man because even i was talking to my friend jack about something similar today where we were talking about universal basic income and uh previously a few months ago i had a chat with him and i had told him that the, some of the research that i saw has basically found that universal basic income doesn't really work in a lot of examples. And then I was talking mm. to him today after we had the chat with Guy Stanley, and he, and then my friend Jack was saying, oh, sorry, Jim, did you not tell me that there was a good research that said it didn't work? And then really what I've been finding over the last few weeks and months and trying to put together in my head is that there will almost always be uh, nothing that has a research uh, sorry, there will almost be nothing that you can certainly back 100% by research. Like, it's bulletproof. Like, even the most well-funded pieces of research and the most well-funded books and the most well-researched books, it's been selective. It, it's dropped out mm. stuff. Or there are variables that they couldn't uh, take into context. So, yeah, it's like you said, it's just lazy for us to say, oh, this, this sentence is convenient for how I view the world. Let me stick that in there and let me keep that in the armor to use at a later date. Instead of saying, oh, I saw this tweet, like, which does help me. But in actual fact, there are other sentences or other facts, quote unquote facts, that disagree with me. And I'm open to hearing them as well. Or I'm, I accept both of them equally. Because if we're only accepting something that we agree with already, <laughs> yeah i mean what's the limit, point limited yeah how limited it could be yeah also the thing about the echo chamber that i think is interesting is that we know the algorithms encourage tweets that we may like um to come into our feed like somebody someone like mm. this and you might like it we know that that happens right but then like you said yesterday and it's happened to me also we know that but on the other side we we think we have a good idea of like a, a comprehensive understanding of uh, the opinions of people in the world through such feeds, you know, unconsciously. Mm. And it, we sometimes, for, it's so weird. Like we know it, we know that these algorithms work and we know that we, we follow people that we like generally, we know this, but then we are surprised. Like you said, you, you gave the Cor Corbin example. 
Yeah, yeah, the Corman example is a great example. I mean, for people who maybe aren't aware, I, you know, I was guilty, lived in, definitely had an echo chamber on my Twitter feed. And when the general elections were coming up, uh, I think it was last year now, um, you know, if I was going to go by my social media feed, Corbyn would have won with a landslide. The, the general election came out and it seemed as if Corbyn got three votes in the whole country, yes. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, oh, wow. Like my Twitter feed really is not indicative of the public consensus at all. Not a good sample all. size. Not, not a good sample size, but, you know, and, and like you said, yes, there's algorithms and this, that, and the other. And I'm more than aware of the algorithms because I use those algorithms in my day-to-day work. Okay. So I know those algorithms exist, but that is also another lazy way of looking at it because yeah, the algorithms exist, but you can actively follow someone who you disagree with. Right. It's just that we're blaming Facebook and Twitter and blah, blah, blah. No, if you want to, if you actually want diversity of thought on your Twitter feed, you can get it. It's just, are you, that bothered and ultimately it's just easier to read and have a twitter feed or a facebook feed or whatever that you agree with you know it's just easier like if you're if you're a vegan it'll be easier to have um you know a load follow a load of people who are vegans rather than following a hunter or this that and the other because that's going to offend you but my point is why that's i think it's this all links in right it's all like into like it's a, a, a kind of a symbiotic relationship because by doing that you then make yourself more partisan because it's always then you're seeing yourself as us versus them whatever your stance is right on anything veganism racism homophobia sexism football teams like whatever it is if you only follow your own kind everything else come would seem as the enemy that is facts whereas if you follow some so let's let's say you're a vegan right if you, i've got nothing against vegans but if you're a vegan if you follow someone who's a hunter who can explain in their posts um why they um hunt in a kind of a, a nice um way in a very kind of um academic succinct way where you can understand their points of view then you learn something i'm not saying that you're going to agree with it i'm not saying that you're going to go hunting but at least you learn you know they might say look actually hunting is a very is a much more sustainable way of eating meat if the world hunted then actually you know we'd solve many of the problems that would we solve today these are free animals they've lived a good life and actually by hunting they're actually going to experience a death far more humane than they would in the, in the you know in the wild because a bear and people who aren't aware for example bears just eat stuff alive they don't even wait to kill you they'll just eat you alive right so like i'm sure a deer would rather get shot in the heart with a bow or a gun than be eaten ass first from a bear right that's just facts now this is the takeaway from this podcast friend this is the takeaway but this is what i'm saying but if you're vegan and you don't if you're not if you don't if you're not open to listening to those points you're always going to see a hunter as the enemy as as they're grotesque they're killing bambies and this that and the other and it's like look i understand that that's not your point of view and i understand that you don't agree with it but don't make everyone live to your ideals that's the beauty of humanity with with, there's so much diversity diversity right i think we should celebrate that diversity within reason of course but we should celebrate it and so i ever since that corbyn thing i I, you know i learned a real lesson and now i do you know i don't hunt but i follow hunters i don't you know I, i follow people who i wouldn't on the face of it necessarily agree with or necessarily see myself as part of that tribe 
right and and it comes down to tribalism ultimately but i i i do really gain something from seeing how other people live and and think and that means that when i go out into the world and i talk to people who aren't in my own echo chamber they might be right wing or whatever it is that you know they might you know for example i don't i'm not christian at all I'm, I'm very um, atheist, but I do follow a lot of Christians on my Twitter feed and they tweet a lot about God. <laughs> well, I don't agree with it. I don't take offense to it, but it, it means that when I have conversations with them, I can understand their points of view a lot easier than what I would do if I only followed Ricky Gervais and Stephen Fry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what you, uh, like what you're saying resonates because it, when we're more familiar with something we are more likely to take a compassionate point of view towards it, I think. And mm. I think Dia Khan's documentary that we referenced uh, recently is an example of this when what I see is with the staunch, right, uh, staunch alt-right people who are part of neo-Nazi groups in the States, and I'm sure in England and, and Ireland and elsewhere, what I, what I appear to see is that these people have absolutely no communication with someone who might be gay or someone who might be black or their, and even their interaction with a woman would be on very limited uh, circumstances. Yeah. And this leads to them go, oh, yeah, I heard this about these people. That's true. And then people who also haven't been around these other types of people go, yeah, that is true. So it's like a real-life echo chamber. But like you said – this is this is why I believe in the idea of a, a multiculturalism because when you spend time with these with different groups of people, you learn more about them and you're less likely to make a uh, a value judgment straight away. Like, oh yeah, like yeah, they're very rude because they don't do this or yeah, they did that and oh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he, uh, he's Satan because he has a Big Mac every Saturday. It's like, well, you know, maybe not. Oh yeah, or like they, they even like they go to the mosque. You know, uh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, heard, I heard this about exactly. this one Muslim, yeah, 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 exactly. And, and and you know, Louisa always gets on to me about how many friends I have and that I've got too many, this, that, and the other. But I think when you know, when I talk about the subject, I think the reason that I have so many friends is because it allows me in my real life to have diversity of thought amongst my friends because i have you know someone like you who's very into that mental health and and betterment and so on and so forth and that's really cool i have people who would just love football and so i can go to them for my football conversations i have right wing friends i have left wing friends i have central like centrist friends i have people who are don't care about pol- politics whatsoever. I have Christian friends. I have agnostic friends. I have atheist friends. And all, I, you know, I have friends that are girls. I have friends that are boys. All of these things, black friends, white friends, all of these things help contribute to make you a better person, right? Because you don't live in an echo chamber. And I think like, so I've tried to replicate that on my own social media feeds now, where it's like, okay, cool. Like I now have a really diversified feed. And I from when I'm scrolling, I don't know what opinion, you know, I might have Piers Morgan and then straight underneath Piers Morgan have Jeremy Corbyn tweeting. Do you know what I mean? And you would maybe say that those people are, are diametrically opposed. But then actually, you know, I think Piers Morgan, for example, in the Black Lives Matter thing has potentially surprised a lot of people. But that's because people, you know, write Piers Morgan off because he says inflammatory things. You have to recognize he does these things for his job. You know, whether he believes some of the stuff he says or not is a different question. But yeah, I think this is the thing is that we were too ready to just write people off from the offset. They make one bad comment or they make a comment that you don't necessarily agree with. And it's like, Oh, he's the enemy. It's like, well, let's give that person a chance. Let's talk to them. 
and 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 let's give that and then more than that you know looking at kind of um in a whole way is that let's look at that group and not just write them off completely there's always going to be deplorable people in any group because unfortunately humans are flawed and if in a group of joe rogan always thinks it's true though in a group of 100 people what are the chances that you're going to get an idiot pretty high right at least one so it doesn't matter what group they 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 claim to be part of you're always going to get an idiot so if you're just going to write off a whole group because of one idiot i think you're really losing out on, on diversity there and i think that's something that we could definitely actively change on our social media feeds for sure also, I'm just thinking now, maybe not all of us believe that our social media is a, a fair representation of us. And then for people to do, to judge us based off some of our tweets, we probably don't, we're, we're probably not happy about that. I mean, we're conscious that it probably happens. But if yeah. I were to say, oh, Seb, I learned a lot about you through your Twitter, you might say, yeah, but you might say, oh, well, really, they don't know anything about like my childhood in Italy or they don't know anything about this and all that. So really it's only a fractured part of you also. And I think we, yeah. we forget that as well. Like the person is not their social media. No. And, and it depends on how you use it. I mean, I use my social media for two reasons. Sometimes I'm in a jokey mood. And so I'll just, you know, I like to play devil's advocate. I'll be the jester and I'll just like say something stupid. I try to make it, make sure it's never offensive, but I'll say something stupid. On the other hand, sometimes like when something's, I'm feeling in a more serious mood, I'll try to like make a point that I really strongly agree with. If you don't understand that, you're going to think either all of my points are stupid and I'm trying to get a rise out of people and trying to get a nibble or all of my points are serious. And then you're going to misconstrue them. People use social media in very different ways ways you know and that's something to take into consideration as well that not you know some people just use it for fun and that's all it is some people use it only to promote themselves or or you know put selfies on or whatever and some people use it to talk about politics and their their personal beliefs and all all of those things are fine i just think we should really allow people to breathe and it's like let's not just you know you know, put people into boxes. Oh, he's this, he's that. Because ultimately, I think we're all a lot more complicated than any of us like to believe. Okay, I, there's very few people who are who fit into one box ever. You know, whatever the, that box may be. I would say nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So. So. I. I unless Jim, is, is there anything else that you'd want to bring in there that I've missed or that you you wanted to bring no, up no. there? I'm very no? happy with that. <laughs> yeah. All groovy. Nice and concise. Nice and concise for once, for once. Um, yes. Uh, n- no, well, guys, thank you for listening. We just thought it was important to, you know, to make, to maybe shine a light on some of those points that maybe some people hadn't thought about or or whatever the case may be, and especially in light of recent situations. Um, and hopefully you've enjoyed the conversation um and make sure you're you're following us subscribing to us and looking out for all of our podcasts um uh, future podcasts we've got some really really great guests i mean uh, we uh, jim and i can't really believe our luck to be honest um so so it's we hope you believe. it really is hard <laughs> so we hope we hope you uh, enjoy the ones that are coming uh there'll be a lot less of jim and i talking and we can just you know let the experts um, give their opinions. But uh, guys, thank you for listening. As as always, keep safe and and keep listening. Thanks, guys. All the best.